The Center for Healing Trauma and Attachment, or CADA, founded by the visionary Doreen Hills, is dedicated to providing innovative and compassionate treatment for those seeking profound healing. CADA's mission is clear, to offer driven, passionate, and cutting-edge therapeutic approaches that not only heal trauma, but also address the needs of the soul. They believe that true healing goes beyond symptom management and is about restoring wholeness. So whether you're an individual seeking therapy, a provider or therapist looking for training, or a member of the community in need of support, CADA offers quality and affordable trainings tailored to your unique needs. To learn more, visit chtainc.org. That's chtainc.org. All right. Welcome back to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. My name is Guy McPherson. My mission is to raise the awareness of trauma and to support and inspire new trauma therapists just starting out on the trauma-informed journey. I do that with my membership community, Trauma Therapist 2.0, my online courses and workshops, and the Trauma Therapist newsletter. If you're a therapist of any kind and you work with individuals who've been impacted by trauma, I invite you to head on over to my website at thetraumatherapistproject.com. That's thetraumatherapistproject.com. All right, let's get started. Are you ready? I am. All right, Elliot, here we go. So Thanks, for, oh, Thanks for having me on. Of course. That's great. Great to have you on here. All right. So five, four, three, two, and one. All right, folks, welcome back to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. Guy McPherson here, and I am thrilled to have my guest today, Elliot Callen. Elliot, welcome. Thank you. Great to be here, Guy. Thank you. So Elliot is a co-founder and president of A Brighter Day, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping teens manage depression and stress. He and his wife started the nonprofit in 2015 in memory of their youngest son, Jake, who committed suicide at age 19. Every year, millions of teenagers struggle with thoughts of depression, deep sadness, isolation, stress, and the feeling of helplessness. Because of their mental health issues, thousands commit suicide, making it one of the leading causes of death among teens in the United States. Sadly, and too often, the parents of these teens are the last to learn about their child's mental health problems, and sometimes it's too late to take action. All right, Elliot, um, this is intense. I mean, I'm just going to start by saying that there's no two ways about this. I'm so sorry to hear about your son. Um, before we go in here, share with your listeners where you're from originally and where you are currently. Great. I live here in Northern California, okay. in Lafayette, California, and I'm a Jersey boy. Oh, nice. From North Jersey. Okay. Home of White Castle. <laughs> right. I love White Castle. And great food. It's uh, I, I, I miss the food of New Jersey. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Um, all right, dive in here. How the heck did you get into this field to come to start this nonprofit? Yeah, well, well guy, thanks for having me on. And, and, and let me tell you a, a quick story here. And it's, it's not a happy story. Um, it has a better ending than it does a beginning or a better ongoing than it does a beginning. So seven years ago, my 19 year old son, Jake, who was a sophomore at the university of Montana, um, on a Thursday, well, early Friday morning, walked up to the highway and jumped in front of an oncoming truck, taking his life. And he was a John Doe. He had left in his room his computer, his wallet. He was a John Doe, but his phone was turned off and no teenager turns off their phone. 
So we were frantically looking for him, um, but we were just getting going right to voicemail. And at 6.30 at night, Federal Express came to our door and delivered a six-page suicide note. And in that note, the main first paragraph said, mom and dad, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I never would have told you how I felt. I never would have asked for your help and I never would have taken your help. And you can imagine our world at that moment, we became instant victims of his suicide or as the world now calls us survivors, which is an interesting word. And we went up to Montana to claim his body and I must've read that suicide note 100 plus times. You're in shock, you know, you'd say, well, you're in mourning, no. In the beginning, you're in shock. You don't even know what to think. You're just, you're just a, you're, if you're a parent and any parent that listens to this, you can't even imagine what's going on in your mind and, and 19 years of life being you know, played over and over all with an abrupt ending. And on the way back, I turned to my, uh, Jake's mom and I said, you know, we need to stop this from happening to other families. We need to do something. And we decided to form a charity it's called A Brighter Day. And we formed a charity with the goal of creating resources for parents and teens on stress and depression with a very simple goal. Let's stop teen suicide. That's our goal, pretty, pretty good mantra. And we came back and we started that program by using music. We first thought it would be a sports charity because my son was a hockey player and a bit of a jock. And you know, I was once a jock, but I'm too old to be a jock now. And, uh, and we started with music instead. <clears throat> we began to do, we took an old concept called Battle of the Bands and we repackaged it as teen band showcases. We had teens playing for teens and we handed out backpacks filled with resources on stress and depression. In those days when we started, those resources were about an inch thick. Um, and now they're just really tiny. And it's all original content, which is great because we're all prolific writers. We love to write in our family. Mm -hmm. And we created resources and we handed these out to teens. And in the first few years, we handed out about 2,400 backpacks filled with these resources. And we knew people were taking them home. Most of the material is for teens. Some of it was for their parents because we figured parents are going to snoop in and read this anyway. Um, and it was all about how are you feeling? How's your friend feeling? What do you do if your friend is feeling sad? What do you do if your, if your child is feeling a certain way? And we did that. And then COVID hit. And we had to adjust like everybody else did. And we started to do these things online. And we realized that the best way to reach teens now in this world is through their parents. Because teens are still on TikTok and we've got resources there, but parents look for this. So we created resources of original content for parents, for teens. We get them out there. And we've now, this is six years into this charity, uh, we now have touched tens of thousands wow. of families with our resources. And just to put that in perspective, last year, 14, 000, there were 14,000 downloads or views of our parent toolbox or our teen toolbox. Last month, it was 9,000. Wow. And so we're touching people. And I've got letters on my desk that say, thanks for saving my life or thanks for saving oh my, my child's God. life. So we're having an impact. And our goal, again, is to create resources to get them out there and stop teen suicide. Let me ask you something. I want to uh, kind of hone in on your experience and then get a little broader here. What happened with your son? 
So there were no drugs or alcohol involved. So that's the first thing that when the police called us back and said, we just want you to know he has a clean talk screen. So we got a suicide note. He's got a clean talk screen. It's a suicide. There's no question about it. So we knew that something wasn't right when he came home that Christmas vacation because he couldn't look us in the eyes and his sleep pattern, you could see, was totally interrupted. He couldn't fall asleep before three in the morning. He couldn't get up early. And sleep pattern disorder is one of the symptoms of depression. So we knew something was wrong. And he's now looking, you know, it's easy to look back on it, but we were again one of the parents that didn't know because he didn't, he wasn't sharing his feelings. And actually, I think from our own charity, I'm not sure Jake would have gotten anything out of it because he wasn't the kind of kid that would have done it. He was very good at hockey. He was a star up in Montana that retired his jersey after his death at the university, which is very thoughtful and very nice. His jersey's hanging in the Oakland ice rink here in Oakland, California. Lots of nice people up there have been helpful. Uh, But he was just little by little withdrawing from society. So I'm going to guess that this really manifested itself the most during his senior year in high school when he was finally the only child at home. The other two had left to go to college. He had a car and he just didn't seem like he was enjoying life the way he should have. Mm. Um, at least the way I did or what I expected him to enjoy it. So something he was withdrawing little by little. And, you know, upon his death, we had his hockey coach come up to us. And it's a wonderful family up in Montana. They're just salt of the earth people. And he said, you know, I should have known better because he had one game where he scored seven goals. But after the game where everybody should be celebrating and slap happy, he was sitting by himself in a locker room. He just couldn't enjoy it. And I think his walls got darker and darker. And, and at some point, he reached the point of saying, you know, yesterday was terrible. Today is even worse. Hmm. And tomorrow is going to be even worse than that. Why bother? No one's going to miss me anyway. And I think that's what happens in depression when you hit the suicide mark. And it, he just took his life. Mm-hmm. I have a 13 year old son. So this is ringing really close to me. And uh, I, I, I just can't imagine something like this happen. But this idea that parents are the last to know, I, I can relate to. What do you say? What's your message to parents? Oh, there are a number of messages. But Unfortunately, I get a lot of calls post-death, and that's just terrible. But to the parents that are alive in all of our writings and all of our resources, it really begins with communications. So let's take you as a parent. And you know, and you have a son, you said? Yeah. Okay, sons are notorious for being bad communicators. <laughs> they also kill themselves four to one over girls. They're contemporaries. And it's the second leading, it's the second leading cause of death now for teenagers, mm-hmm. suicide behind and only accidents are number one so here's what happens and and i have a twin boy that's still alive here they answer monosyllabically they really don't want to share their feelings they're not good about that how's your day going good how's class uh (laughs) exactly (laughs) talking to a caveman (laughs) (laughs) right and that was no different so here's how i here's some of the advice that we give guy And that is that we, you and I as parents, have become bigger drivers of our children in a generation. And that is you want the best for your child. It's all good intentions. You want them to go to college. 
You want them to have a happy life. You want them to have a good major. You want them to have good friends. You want all these things. So you put additional pressure on them. We call it the helicopter parent world, but really you're just putting undue pressure on them that maybe your parents or your parents' parents didn't put on anybody. Mm-hmm. So the expectations are higher and they're busier than ever. Nobody goes out and plays sports. There's no basketball court that's filled on the weekend with pickup games. There's nothing being used unless it's an organized sports now. Mm-hmm. And so at dinner time, what do you do? You're rushing. You've got a career. Your spouse has a career. There's no time to eat. Weekends, you're busy driving. Like I did, we did up and down Route 5 to hockey tournaments, soccer tournaments, um, in and out Burger. How do we do this really fast? Everybody's in a hurry mm-hmm. nowadays. So the first thing we tell you to do as a parent is find out what's cooking in your child's brain. And the way to do that is make dinner a cell phone free meal. Make it a conversation thing. No TV on, no stereo on, no music on, no, no, no cell phone, no texting. Gosh, no texting, no TikTok, mm-hmm. nothing like that. Even if you're waiting for a call, they can wait for an hour to call right. them back. And during that conversation, learn how to be a good question asker mm-hmm. and a good listener. So let me give you some examples of questions if I could, Guy. Please. And I know school just ended, but here are some simple questions that people forget about. What's your favorite class? Why, why? Who's your favorite teacher? Why? Who's your best friend? Who are your other friends? How are they doing? What's their best class? What's your worst class? What's your hardest class? Why aren't you doing better, you think, in English literature and you're doing you know, better in history. What do you think is going on here? Is it the teacher? How's Jimmy, your best friend, doing in that same class? Because sometimes your child, your teen, would rather talk about Jimmy mm-hmm. and all the problems of Jimmy than talk about himself. But what he's really doing is he's talking about himself through mm-hmm. through Jimmy. He's, thir- he's third partying. And by the way, it's the same for girls. I'm just using the stereotype because you have a son here. Right. There's no difference. Um, So I would ask great questions. What's happening? What are you doing for the summer? How do we get you busy this summer? And are you looking forward to next year? Because hopelessness is another sign of depression. So you want to find out they're excited about the summer. They're excited about next week. They're they're just excited. So how is their sleep pattern? How's their eating pattern? Are they losing weight quickly? You know, I have a friend of mine and when his daughter was a junior, she got very moody. And she said the only thing that made her happy was eating potato chips. <laughs> it's an eating disorder. So what did they do? What did the mom do? She bought her a bag of potato chips. And I'm, I don't mean a small bag. I'm talking about Trader Joe's, costco size bag of potato chips. And every night she would give her the bag so she could put, let herself go to sleep in a better mood. And during the junior, her junior year, she gained a hundred pounds. What do you think that did for her self-esteem? It destroyed it. It destroyed her friendships and so forth and so on. And so, but the parents did that with all good intentions. Right. Yeah. And so we have to look at what's going on on how they're reacting. How, they re- how do they react when you say, nice job? You say, Jimmy, you did a really nice job. Mary did a really nice job here. Are they overly moody? Now, all teenagers are moody. That's just how it is. And by the way, as a father, I could tell you that there is a fine line 
between being moody and being a typical teenager. Mm-hmm. It just is. And so I was a moody teenager, like lots of kids, but I was never depressed. So when I saw some of my son's actions, and I thought, huh, he's just being a dumb teenager. Mm-hmm. He's just being like his dad. But he wasn't. But it wasn't so obvious either. What, what were those actions? Are you ready to become the best version of yourself? Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support, and it is 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. No more worrying about finding the right provider or scheduling appointments. Cerebral brings it all to you whenever and wherever you need it. To get started on your path towards better mental health, Cerebral is giving you, the Trauma Therapist Podcast listeners, 15% off your first month of online therapy, medication, or both. Get started by going to Cerebral.com slash podcast and use the code the Trauma Therapist. That's Cerebral, C-E-R-E-B-R-A-L dot com slash podcast. And don't forget to use the code the Trauma Therapist to get 15% off your first month. Make 2024 your best year yet. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Please see site for details. Going Inside is a new podcast on a mission to help you heal from trauma and connect with your authentic self. Hosted by licensed trauma therapist John Clark, this show explores trauma healing through the lens of internal family systems therapy with detours into EMDR, somatic experiencing, and much more. Tune in for enlightening guest expert interviews, immersive solo deep dives, real therapy sessions, and soothing guided meditations. Head on over to johnclarktherapy.com slash podcast or search for Going Inside with John Clark on your favorite podcast platform. Once again, head on over to johnclarktherapy.com forward slash podcast or search for Going Inside with John Clark on your favorite podcast platform. He was uh, withdrawn a little bit. We noticed that some with some withdrawing. Uh, his senior year, he lost some weight in the fir- beginning of his senior year. Mm-hmm. And then we said, what's going on with your weight? Um, he simply was giving away his lunch so he wouldn't eat. Wow. And so that, but that that's a self-destructiveness right. going on there. And then we made him gain his weight. We basically talked to him about that. He made a comment to me. He said, you know, dad, if I wasn't here, would you really miss me? I said, what? Right. But then, and they'd say, no, never mind that question. Well, that's that's a hopelessness, hopelessness question. Right. You're not going to miss me anyway. So from their point of view, you, you've got to f- find out what's going on. And are they taking some unnecessary risks that are maybe life-threatening, which all kids do anyway. Mm-hmm. But to you now, you know, we did things that were terrible and that were, were life-threatening in high school. Right. We were dumb teenagers. Today, some of those things get you into real trouble. Right. In the old days, you just got you know a ride home and maybe a lecture. But we don't live in those times anymore. Yeah. And so you want to find those things out if they're talking about death and thinking about tomorrow. My daughter, one Christmas Eve, decided that she would help patrol the Golden Gate Bridge on Christmas Eve, looking for people that may want to jump. Wow. And the question that she would ask, and she came across a number of people by themselves, and she talked to them. And one of the questions she would ask is, what are you doing tomorrow for Christmas? And they said, I'm going over my sisters, my family. They said they had something planned for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. 
then there's a high probability that, that we're not going to take the life that night. But if they said nothing, I have nothing planned, or I don't know, then there was nothing to look forward to, and that they had to call 911 right away. This whole idea of, you know, using dinner as a, a time to, to connect. And as you said, not just asking questions, questions, but becoming a good question asker and a, and a good listener is so, so crucial. I mean, it's so vital. And, it, and in a sense, it goes so, so much against the way the day is running because everything, like you said, is moving so quickly and so fast. And to take that time to say, you know, look, look what's going on here is, is a great idea, but it's not always easy. I mean, it's not always, it's not easy to, I feel it's not always easy to really connect and be a good question asker, especially um, because I do, I do personally get a lot of those, caveman responses you know yeah but you can do it because i really believe that most parents want to be good parents i mean there are always some that just don't have the skills to do it but 99 percent or more want to be good parents and so wouldn't it be wonderful for have your child feel good enough to share what's really going on behind the scenes to open up the curtain and say you know dad you know what really makes me sad this has really been bothering me right and you can have a discussion about that. Or you know what really bothers me about what you do, Dad? I've been wanting to, and I, I don't know how to tell you that. Those are great things to learn. Mm -hmm. um, it's important to do that uh, because you also may have to get your child some counseling because those little problems are eating them up on the inside and you're just starting to learn that. So you said you have, um, did Jake have a twin? No, he has older twins. Okay. Boy, I have 28 year old, I have a 28 year old son and daughter twins. Okay. Um, and you mentioned that uh, survivor, quote unquote, the word survivor kind of had some energy. Talk a little bit more about that for you. So I found that out um, after Jake's death that we are called survivors. I'm not sure I like that name. Uh, there's an article that I'm printing and we are, like I said, prolific writers. There's an article coming out on Father's Day that we're sending out called Happy Father's Day from a Survivor. Um, so we're the survivors. I, you know, when you're, a, uh, when you're the parent of a child who takes his life, and we can't use the word commit suicide because it goes with murder, commit murder. You're not supposed to use that word commit anymore. Hmm. Uh, so he takes his life or her life then you've got an empty hole inside of you forever. You have to move on because life continues. The world keeps spinning. The sun will rise tomorrow with or without you. Um, but there are pictures, my pictures, my screensaver, the pictures by the TV. You just can't away from, get away from that hole in your heart. So because you're moving on with your life in some form, you're now nicknamed the survivor. And most people, and sadly, are embarrassed that their child has taken their life. It's an embarrassing thing. What it, it reflects on me as a parent, I must have been a terrible parent. Right. Um, I, I have, they, nobody likes that feeling. So I have to tell you, as someone, I'm, I'm divorced and remarried. And I was married in the first marriage long-term, di divorced long-term, married the second marriage long-term. Um, 
I wondered if the divorce caused that. It didn't. Maybe it did. It had some. Everything has an impact on your mm-hmm. on your children. But I really don't believe that was the reason. But I do feel that not asking the right questions of my son, I owe him an apology for life that I can never get back. Because I should have known. I should have. I believe that as a parent, I should have gotten the right words out of him to know that something was very wrong Mm -hmm. and to dig deeper into this. So with that, do you feel that, I mean, this is, I I feel this is a hard question to ask, but with all these kids who are killing themselves, are there, do they, what role do their parents have in this? If you know what I'm saying, how much are the parents at fault? Well, that's a really hard question to answer there, Guy. Um, my mother was an Auschwitz survivor and she impassioned her three children with lots of guilt. And so we cannot, I cannot not feel guilty about this. And I know his mom every day feels just as guilty about this. And it's not that we did A or B, you know, it's that we didn't do what we feel we should have done to possibly avoid him taking his life. Mm -hmm. Because we did all the right things. We put him in sports. We had a great time with each other. Uh, We played travel hockey. We went on vacations together to Hawaii and so forth. We did those things. But the deep, the depth of his depression, we weren't asking about that. We weren't digging about that. And nor were his friends, because when he died, his friends came to me one after the other and said, we never thought Jake was feeling that way. Wow. Did he have like a girlfriend or boyfriend? He had a girlfriend that has really struggled since he died and is out trying to find herself as well. It's had a major impact on her life in a very negative way. So his mom has struggled a lot with her own life and did shock therapy to help her get get herself in a right state of mind. And now is in a better place. And for me, it was just, I, I believe I, I need to be the rock of my family. I need to be that stoic, strong figure that I don't cry in public. I don't cry with my kids. I didn't cry at the funeral. I went away from everybody to cry. So I would be the rock. And that's how my father taught me that you are the rock of your family and never forget that. Uh, I know I know we don't live always in that world anymore and that men are allowed to cry and do all that stuff. And in the privacy of my home, I might act different, but mm-hmm. in the public, you'd never see that happen. What you're, we're talking about here is communicating on just being really able to be real with our, with our kids, you know, as you said, you know, to, to inquire about the depths of what's going on, find out what's cooking in, in our kid's brain. And because it's not easy, it requires you to keep going back and back and finding different ways to, to connect. And what are you hearing from parents about this topic? Um, because let's face it, not 
it, it's not easy to do, right? When you, when your kid's just giving you these monosyllabic responses and, but what, it, what, what are the kind of things you're hearing from parents? Are they saying, I, I, I just don't have the time or I didn't know this was important? So most of us ask the what versus the why. What, what are you doing today? How was your day? How much homework do you have to do tonight? <laughs> what are your friends doing tonight? When are you getting off your phone? You know, things like that. So those are typical questions that we ask. Um, it is much harder to say, why are you feeling this? Well, what's going on behind the scenes on that? How much homework do you have in, in class tonight? English, math, whatever the subject is. How's that going? It's going all right. What does that mean? It's going all right. What does right. all right mean? Um, there, it's going great. Really, what does that mean? It's going great. Because what you want to do as a parent, because you're busy too, guy, you've been working all day, you've got the show, you've got a life, you've got to go home, somebody's got to make dinner, somebody's got to feed them, somebody's got to make sure they're doing that. You've got a whole laundry list of things, and that's not counting laundry and food too. There's a lot to do in today's world. We're busier than two generations ago. My mother was a stay-at-home mom. She handled those kind of things, so my dad didn't have to do that. We don't live in that world anymore. So you're busier than ever. So find out what's to find out what's cooking in the, in the kitchen of our children's brains is it takes effort to do that. And you really don't want to hear it because mm -hmm. you're busy. You have your own problems. You just, don't you think that for two generations ago, your grandfather had it easier than you? Seems, Seems like, like that, it. doesn't it? Seems like it, yeah. Seems like that. So probably not. There was a depression on, there was, they're sleeping on cold floors, nobody had heat. The Dust Bowl was going, was raging. Whatever, wherever they lived, there two world wars happened. I mean, there were a lot of bad things in the world going on in those days, but they managed to get through it. They weren't allowed to be depressed. Mm -hmm. People that grow up in, in poor areas, they're not allowed to be depressed because they're fighting for survival. But your child in the middle class, upper middle class, wealthier homes, they have time and access and money. It's a depression is a luxury in a way. I could be depressed. I have time, I have the energy. And so you've got to somehow get around that as a parent and your child will share this with you if you learn how to ask the right questions. And by the way, on the website that we use, we put these questions out there. We publish these questions as sample questions that you can ask your child. Of course, they're not, I write it so I know I can't write a question in your tone or your words, you're you. But maybe you could take some of these questions and reinterpret them and reinvent them to make a difference. And then if you find something going, is going on and they're struggling, maybe you can come up with a plan together to work together on how to fix that. Because maybe your child just needs help with a tutor and that lack of tutoring is making them the, get an F or a D in that class and they're falling behind all their friends and they're embarrassed. And you could fix that with some help. Uh, I'm speaking with uh, Elliot Callen, uh, founder of the nonprofit, co-founder of the nonprofit, A Brighter Day. So what do you do? What does your organization do? This is what we do, Guy. And thank you for having me on again. We create resources. And I'll tell you a new program we're just about to start, but we create written resources, blogs, podcasts, uh, not podcasts. We're on podcasts all the time about how to help your child. So they're geared more to parents. We call the parent toolbox. We've got it right on our website, a brighterday.info. And then we've got a teen talent toolbox. And these are 
The parent toolbox is all over Facebook. The team toolbox is just coming out all over TikTok. Then on top of that, we're just creating, we're modeling ourselves a little bit after AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and we're creating an adult Zoom program where you could disguise your picture or your name because maybe you don't want anybody knowing this is going on in your life. And you'll have a counseling session weekly or monthly, online, free of charge, with somebody who's licensed, where you can get resources and you can get answers to your questions, or which most of them are similar questions. And we're gonna create this through based on a time zone Excuse me, because it doesn't matter if somebody's in Oregon or LA or mm -hmm. Vegas, it's the Western time zone. And you'll be able to get on and say, look, I'm hearing this from my child, or how do I get this help from my child? Or mm -hmm. is my child in trouble? Or I have a really bad feeling about what's going on. Or their best friend just hurt themselves. And now my child's worried about my child being a copycat. Right. You can get those answers for yourself. So we're just going to create that as a program across the country. So you'll be able to talk to somebody. And then we also have links on how to get counseling, whether it be live or uh, online counseling, whatever works for, for you or your team. What are the, uh, what's the age range of these kids who are killing themselves? Uh, it starts as low as nine. Uh, we just really focus on 12 and 13 when puberty hits and uh, up till about 20, we're really in that range. I said, it's the second leading cause of death in a country. Um, it's a period that the brain is just not fully formed, especially mm -hmm. on boys. It's a period that they're getting enormous amount of peer pressure, uh, hopefully not bullying, uh, but that happens out there too. Mm -hmm. They're being exposed to drugs and alcohol for the first time. They've got freedoms from parents that they never had and they don't know how to use them uh, properly. Uh, and they've got huge transitions of I'm leaving my middle school for high school and I'm leaving my high school for college. Right. Major transitions, I'm leaving the nest. It has overwhelming impact on your teen. So that's where we feel that we can give the most help. Can we help adults who look at our resources? Of course, right. depression is depression, whether you're 47 or 17, you're still feeling the exact same symptoms. We just focus on the teens more. Awesome, Elliot, man, I wanna thank you so much. This is. Uh, this is, like I said, when we started, this is intense and the passion that you're bringing to this is, uh, I think it's much needed. I mean, again, all this stuff that's going on with these shootings and teens are uh, constantly in, in the news. I mean, I think what you're doing is so valuable. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. Guy, let me also give one more piece of advice if I could. Please. And that is that social media is your teen's worst enemy. Uh, it may be your best friend because it has birthdays and has things, but it's become a highlight reel of everybody else's life, but their own. Mm -hmm. And so it's like watching, it's like you're an average baseball player and all you do is watch all-star highlights on ESPN. Right. And you wonder, and it makes you feel terrible because you're not going to be ever be at that level at your life. So my son asked me, I remember that at, at Christmas break, his senior year, all my two, my twins were home from college. And he asked me, he said, dad, I think we're the only family in my high school that didn't go to Hawaii or Tahoe for Christmas break. And he became in his own way, a victim of it in his mind of, of his family. Woe is me. We didn't go on vacation. Mm 
So that highlight reel is creating negative impressions. And that's why we want to always turn that off during dinner. No highlight reels. Yeah, that's awesome advice. Wow. Like I said, this hit home. <laughs> um, what's the best way for people to reach you, Elliot? Great. It's Elliot, E-L-L-I-O-T, at abrighterday.info. Okay. Or www.abrighterday.info. Those are the two best ways. Um, I want to thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. All right, sir, we'll be in touch. Guy, thank you so much. Have a great day. All right. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. And if you'd like to join the hundreds of other therapists who are each month keeping up to date and informed and inspired about what's going on in the world of trauma, I'd love to invite you to head on over to the Trauma Therapist Newsletter. That's the traumatherapistnewsletter.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.